0: Hello, and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Zeraris, and as promised, we're going to be talking about season three of Netflix's Drive to Survive, which covers the 2020 season, which took place last year, and a little bit about the state of Formula One for the upcoming season, which begins this Sunday in Bahrain. I think it's a 9 a.m. start time for people in the eastern standard time zone it's one of those things formula one that's like soccer in the united states where if you want to watch it you're going to have to get up early on the weekends if you're hung over on a saturday or sunday morning this might not be the sport for you uh, i know i had to fight through more than one hang one pandemic induced hangover last summer of just staying in the house on a saturday night having a few beers on xbox with my friends and then remembering ah oh, fuck the race is on i gotta set an alarm stumbling out of bed, making a cup of coffee, and trying to get my brain together and comprehend what I was watching. And I'm grateful I stumbled into Formula One last year when there wasn't a whole lot going on in the sports world. It was a welcome reprieve. I was one of the few people who got into Formula One from watching the races before watching Drive to Survive. I had watched a couple of races at the Netflix show about it, and the Netflix show is just Remarkable reality TV, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode because my guest today is someone else who is just fascinated with the grown man children that infect the sport, the pettiness, the cattiness, the theatrics, the drama. I mentioned it on last week's episode with Megan when we were talking about the NHL's marketing campaign. Uh, no, no, no soap operas, just hockey. Formula One is soap operas and cars going in circles very fast, so it makes for a very entertaining show. If you are not a racing fan, you can still enjoy this show because not a lot of the show is honestly about the racing, to be completely honest. But before I get to the conversation with Mallory, I do have to remind everyone to please subscribe to the show, whatever podcasting platform you use, whether you're Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Boom, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, whatever platform you use to consume podcasts, please subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, please. It's nice. We're getting there. We got seven reviews now, which is progress. We're, we're making progress. We're listeners. The more I branch out different types of guests introducing the show to different types of people, We're making headway. I will have a Rangers blog at some point later this week. I'm not sure what I'm going to write yet. I might touch on Pavel Buchnevich's hypothetical contract for this upcoming summer. I might talk a little bit more about results versus process, some underlying things I've noticed. All that said... I will see you guys on the other side of this drop. Pierre Gasly is in front for the AlphaTauri team that won here as Toro Rosso, and they are going to win in 2020 as AlphaTauri! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! And with that, I welcome on one of the absolute funniest people I know, for no real reason either, because she's not really trying to be funny. She's a member of the hockey broadcast, which if you aren't listening to, you're missing out on really incredible vibes. How are you doing, Mallory? I'm doing well. Good intro, right? You
1: know? Yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah. You are here, of course, to talk about the newest season of Drive to Survive, which dropped last Friday. You watched it over the course of a couple of days. I watched it. I spent the 10 straight hours yesterday watching it and was equally as captivated as I was by the first two seasons. So starting here, how did you stumble into this last year? Did, was it when the new season started last year? Was it just pandemic boredom how did you jump into it
1: it wasn't even okay so I think the second season did drop in like February maybe or around that time but it was definitely mid-April or something where I was like not going to work or anything and so I really just didn't have anything to do and I don't even remember who recommended it or something I don't think anybody personally did it might have just been like a list of like good sports documentaries or whatever. and I was like I'm just gonna watch this like series. I like sports documentaries a lot. And then yeah, I watched all of it. This is actually very cool, and I started watching a bunch of races that were old cuz obviously nothing was happening. Like I literally made a list of like the previous years' schedule and like I went watched a race from every circuit. <laughs> it devolved very quickly. <laughs> I truly did just make it my entire personality and everybody else's problem cuz I also like needed to force other people to get into it so I could talk about it all the time. And I mean, it's been less than a year, and now I know a lot about Formula One for some reason.
0: (laughs) I was having this mental breakdown the other day with Maya when she was talking about tires, and I was like, if you had told me in February of last year we'd be talking about tire compound degradation on a track somewhere in the Middle East, I probably would have thought I died and was in hell, to be completely honest with you. Because my experience with racing, like I knew the name Lewis Hamilton. I had no idea what he looked like, and I knew who... Michael Schumacher was from when he was in Cars, when he voiced the Ferrari at the end of the first Cars movie. That was my only exposure to Formula One prior to last year. To say it's been a really interesting and engaging sport is an understatement, especially last year when there was so little going on. Getting up on a Sunday morning in the middle of the night, I I forget what, I think it was the Turkish Grand Prix that started at like five in the morning Eastern Standard Mm -hmm. Time. And I remember texting Maya the night before going, all right, we're going to do this, right? And we were rewarded. Seb got a podium that day. We were rewarded with our pain. So let's start with this season, the most recent season that dropped. The way it's structured, I've always complained about the nonlinear structure of the show, that it constantly bounces back and forth instead of just telling one linear story. Do you think that makes it a little bit more confusing, or do you understand why it's told out of order?
1: I think that it definitely does make sense, but it made less sense this season, almost mm. before they've had to follow a same storyline, like throughout different races and stuff. and when they're focusing on like a certain team or a certain driver, stick with them throughout races. But I do think that them hopping around in general, kind of, I guess since this is also the first season that I've watched where I've actually I did watch all of the footage to start <laughs> with, I think that it does make it very like, obvious what they're excluding almost yes like you really are like oh they're gonna talk about this and then y- they just skip over that entire race or something
0: there was no there was no george russell episode how did we not get a george i russell don't understand episode?
1: how they got did not do an entire george russell episode because yeah. or that or Nico hulkenberg coming yeah. back they just literally in like one of the episodes <laughs> they're talking to like somebody and they're like hulkenberg's in front and it's like You needed to mention that at some point. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought that the exclusion of William's sale and like William's leaving was kind of like not dealt with, which is kind of a bummer because they really had talked to them a lot in the first few seasons. So they talked to Claire a lot. And I think that is because in the first season, like the first season they weren't allowed, to, they didn't have authorization or whatever to talk to Ferrari and Mercedes, mm-hmm. which I think is what makes the first season like yes, one of the best, because some of the best stories are the people who are fighting to get a point. Yeah, They're not fighting in the front because that's not as much
0: drama and it's not as fun. In terms of just <laughs> the show itself, I keep going back and forth between calling it a reality show and a documentary, and I don't know which one is more right.
1: I definitely... Okay, the reason I think that it is good is because all of the team principals are just, like, so catty. Yeah. It is like they are, like, the real housewives of, like, Monte Carlo or something. That's what they are. Christian Horner, whenever you sit him in just, like, his confessional... It is legitimately like he is on Tiffany Pollard, like that is like he's here to thrive, which is like that's why it's great because him just like talking mad shit, and then like I'm very sad about uh Sarah leaving, yeah, because he's always been incredible. He's incredibly petty, and I think that it is very funny to have all these like grown, very rich men be very petty over
0: cars going fast.
1: Cars going fast, exactly.
0: It makes for very entertaining TV, and it's a really good way to transition into the first thing I wanted to talk about with one of the things that they actually addressed in the season, which they hadn't addressed in the second season, was the Ferrari scandal, because that was a major point in that season, which I didn't know about because I wasn't watching then, and it wasn't mentioned in the series, and Maya had mentioned it in passing. I went and read a couple articles about it, and then I was kind of surprised they actually acknowledged it in this, because this kind of has been not like a docu series it's been a little bit i don't want to call it like paid programming but it kind of is just one long commercial for formula one as a sport yes the capitalist brain is kind of working and understanding that it makes sense it's yt in the first season they got so much stuff from haas from williams because those teams wanted the exposure to do it and that kind of thing but i was very surprised they mentioned the ferrari and the pink mercedes thing with racing point So let's start with that because I think that was one of the funnier parts in the show of this season was just them going from principal to principal about Ferrari. Yeah. Their car was just so much faster than everyone else. And we had no idea what happened. And then magically one day in Texas, they decided, okay, we're going to appeal now.
1: I'm very sad because they kept out. They didn't include, okay, well, technically it would have been, it would have been a quote from 2019. It's Mm. a quote from, the uh, circuit of the Americas, Max says uh, something about the Ferraris. He's like, that's what happens when you stop cheating or something. Which <laughs> <laughs> is very funny. And I do think that yeah, the Ferrari has been very interesting because Ferrari is obviously like the prized son of Formula One. Like they literally get additional prize money just for being Ferrari. The I also the fact that they had the um the ruling is very under wraps. And so nobody technically even really knows what was illegal about Ferrari's engine. Like they just kind of have like general ideas because there was something illegal with their engine and the fuel uh, compound because the fuel thing is what happened in the middle of the season. And then the engine is what happened that they got struck down and that's why they were so bad last year. And then everyone was Ferrari engines also was horrible because they had to deal with that as well. But I did think it's interesting because Ferrari is beloved and they don't wanna like do anything to taint their name almost, but I don't know. I guess that it's just their commitment to letting Ferrari do whatever. (laughs) Um, And also I guess the thing about the racing point was very interesting in general is like when it all happened in the first place, not even on, and I know they talk about it some in the series. the idea that it was illegal, but they could continue using it. <laughs> they were like, that is illegal. You don't have to change it, though. It's fine. End of so yeah. that was very, that was very bizarre. And I definitely, I'm team everyone except for Mercedes and Racing Point on that. Like, I think that, yeah, they were very much in the wrong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, that was probably the most catty and dramatic I've ever seen any of the people on the show was just them going from person to person and Toto being like, well, we at Mercedes don't worry about what the other teams are doing. We only worry about ourselves because our car is so fast. And Christian just being, it's very unsporting what they were doing. It wasn't illegal, but it was unfair. Just absolute, these are grown men who deal with each other pretty much every day. And you know you can't just go talk to someone and be like, hey man, I got to go I'm gonna go report this. I just wanted to let you know, no, I gotta tell the Netflix camera and then go to the IFA so we can go talk about how you sold parts to another team because that was bad. It's so overly dramatic. It's so- So
1: overly dramatic, especially when they're talking about like the the integrity of like innovation when they all (laughs) are definitely just now copying the Mercedes still, absolutely. I know that I did like go look at the new regulations the thing is that like they're trying to make it so you can more concretely have like a reasoning behind like taking inspiration versus like legitimately just taking the other car but yeah i do i do agree with them on the idea that you can't just everybody just copies mercedes it no longer is that defeats the i don't want to say anything about
0: the integrity
1: of it but it does like lose a lot of the like
0: I mean, if you wanted to make 20 Mercedes and just field the entire field in those, that would be a lot more entertaining. Uh, I, I, George Russell proved, you know, it's more than just the car. We saw, mm-hmm. uh, Bonnet, oh, Bottas, oh, Valtteri. He came off pretty well. I got to say, watching the season, I found him a lot more likable from watching the show. I felt bad for him. He was sympathetic. It just, it really seems like being Lewis's teammate sucks.
1: Oh yeah, I absolutely feel for him on thinking that like being number two Lewis sounds horrible and obviously everybody's dream is to like become world champion and then when you are literally in a car that can do that and you just have to deal with this constantly but i also think that val um is not putting up much of a fight for lewis i think that val very much has the car behind him he can't defend he (laughs) can't overtake he's he's rough but I definitely I do I also think that's actually kind of maybe why they didn't do a George episode because they had already done the Val episode Mm -hmm. and I think that Joe I think that Val comes across poorly once you compare him to a kid in his early 20s who has spent three days in this car that doesn't fit him
0: Okay, quick rundown here. There are 10 teams in Formula One. Each team has two cars, but each team has two drivers. You carry reserve drivers. So even though Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas are teammates, they're in direct competition with each other because they're driving the same car. So in theory, they should be on equal footing there. And then it comes down to just the skill of the driver. But we know that's not true. A lot of teams really treat their second driver like shit, which we're going to talk about Red Bull. I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about what Ferrari did to Seb towards the end of the season, but we'll start with Red Bull because that was out, that was the main thing in season two, and it carried over into season three. Where Bill, I hate Will Buxton. I don't know why he's a producer on the show. Why they tried to make this into a thing? Is he
1: is he a producer on the yeah. show? I just assumed that makes a lot more sense because I yeah. just assumed that they just exclusively they literally sat him down and were like, okay, whatever he said's fine for the narrative, <laughs> like yeah. just start finding clips for that.
0: During the season last year, I didn't feel this like impending doom of, oh, they're just going to switch Alex and Pierre Gasly back and forth again, less than a year after doing it. It was pretty set in stone that they were going to ride out the season and see where it went from there. And then they still ended up leaving Pierre with their, their B team. So Take me into your mind about this, because you, you spend way too much time. Thinking I spend about a Red lot Bull. of time
1: thinking about Red Bull in general, yeah. which is that I have said this, that actually I said that um, all Red Bull executives are um, going to go to hell. And I'm saying that as a Red Bull fan. I am saying that as a Red Bull fan. <laughs> I do very much like I would say that Red Bull is my team. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they are. like neutral evil. Neutral evil is what I would say they are. So the thing is that with Pierre, apparently, allegedly, he has like ruffled some feathers, not even like recently, but in his exit, Mm -hmm. when they sent him back to what was Toro Rosso Rosso at the time, there are some people that work at Red Bull who are like not pleased and don't want him back at Red Bull. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of is kind of a situation where however well he performs, he probably won't go back anyway but the thing is that with red bull is they have struck gold twice with seven max mm-hmm. and they have a very they have a habit of promoting drivers far too early mm-hmm. they are obsessed with kicking out their second driver like they've done it so many times and the thing is that they have shown that it can work with two like generational talents yeah and they think that means that they can do it always and it's always going to work (laughs) which obviously you have to get used to the car and all of this stuff so in the show in the show I think that it was unfairly put as making the Pierre episode pitting him against Alex which I don't think that works I think that they should have I think his narrative stands well alone like obviously due to all of his uh things he's gone through but also I think it stands well alone because it is more of like a triumph against something. I don't think that he's really in direct competition with Alex. I think that it's obviously like Marco bullshit, Horner bullshit. Um, But the thing, basically the catalyst for all of this was Daniel Ricardo seeing the writing on the wall, basically being like, this is going to become Max's team. Like there's, this is like Max is coming into like his peak and I am going to get thrown on the wayside. So he left. No one thinking thinking that was going to happen. They did not have junior drivers. Yeah. They did not have drivers like Science was a Red Bull uh, junior driver, and he was gone um, at the time. And so they had to prematurely promote Pierre. And also, they had kicked Daniel Kvyat out of the Red Bull season seat previously for Max. Yeah. They had to like bring him up from wherever. And then they had to grab Alex out of Formula E. So he didn't have any testing before Melbourne last year. And then he had like, what, like six races or so to even be in Formula One. So I'm not saying they didn't give him a fair shake, but I am. (laughs) So this year and in 2020, he did like do very well in 2019. Um, And then in 2020, he just like wasn't getting the same updates as Max. They had, Fred admitted that. And also they were constantly doing this like, which is, this is a normal second driver thing to do, but they were kind of doing it to a level that was a lot. They were like, we're going to pit Alex like lap eight to see what these these tires are going to do so we can figure out for Max. It's like, you guys, I know that you realize you're not going to win the constructors, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have like valuable points that he can have. So I think that in general, Red Bull has a really bad second driver problem. And I think that they think.
0: They don't. They definitely think they know what they're doing. They think they know
1: what they're doing and they don't. They're just kind of like, well, they have the like sink or swim mentality and don't realize that like, maybe people aren't like going like all Michael Phelps, but they're still like doggy paddling, (laughs) which is enough. And maybe they can get up to uh, it. But I also would blame this all on um, the Strolls uh, because it's all their fault. And if Lawrence Stroll would fire his own son, we wouldn't be like
0: this. Yes, that is 100% true. I've always wondered how that conversation went. Do you think Lance asked his dad, can I drive the car? Or was it his dad thinking, I think I'm going to give my son a treat? What do you think the conversation was? The thing
1: is, I I understand that I don't have children. So this isn't, I don't (laughs) have children. I don't understand. Parents love going this far. <laughs> 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 like your kid this much, but also like the thing is, plenty of parents coach their kids' teams or whatever. Plenty of parents have coached, and they're not going to start their kid if their kid sucks. I don't understand paying millions and millions of dollars. I mean, like, okay, Lance, you can go <laughs> drive your
0: car, have fun, have fun. Do you like your teammate? Do you want someone exactly. else? Exactly, I can get you someone else. You want a faster car? I'll talk to Mercedes. I'll see what I can do for you. And one of the things that was funny in the one episode, there was one episode during the season. I forget which one it was. He was complaining about practicing. He's like, why aren't we surfing? Dude, you're a billionaire. Why don't you just go chill? Why are you this stressed out? I
1: know this is like his like hobby. And like, I <laughs> want him to like, go live off his trust fund elsewhere and stop bothering me. He can't turn off his car. Literally. I have, I have, I truly believe that Brad, who is his um, engineer, I truly believe he hates him because there are so many radio messages that are like, Lance, you are hitting the wrong button. I I turned off the car. And it was like, Lance, you did not turn off the car. (laughs) It's like, Lance, you are hitting radio instead of power, please.
0: I don't understand what the goal is here because we're talking about Racing Point last year, which is now Aston Martin this year. The team's owner is... The father of one of the drivers originally lance was a part of the williams development program and his dad was putting a lot of money into that team to give him the seat essentially and the opportunity to buy racing point came up which was one of the more dramatic things in season one of the show where they put force india into default and lance came in with his uh bazillion dollar parachute fought the team gave away took one of the seats away Gave it to Lance and we're here two years later now. And it's really been a very up and down run for him. And it sucks because I like Chico. I, I want Chico to do well when he, when he was at racing point last year. Like him winning the last race of the season last year was really fun. That was exciting. Mm-hmm. Him coming no, that was that was the second last race of the year where he came from the back to win. That was a really exciting race, but in the back of my head, this is making Lauren stroll and Lance happy. I don't like this. I, I shouldn't know. Have, I shouldn't have to feel guilty about seeing someone win who's a member of a team. And we're going to get to one of the teams fully going bad guy, James Bond. We're we're getting there. That's one of the things coming up in the season this year. What else really stood out to you in this third season of the show?
1: They really did talk a lot to Lawrence Troll, which I didn't enjoy, obviously. <laughs> but they didn't also... The thing is that makes the correct... Like, they were trying to place him as intense businessman in all of this. Mm. When the correct business decision would be keeping Perez and having yeah. Seb. So it also, I wish that they would have like
0: explored that a little bit explored yeah. that
1: more, because I do think that actually the like personal things are very interesting and obviously all of pretty much every single person on the grid comes from money mm. or has, if they don't come from money, they are like still very upper middle class and whatever. Lewis Hamilton loves to talk about, he was like, oh yeah, my dad worked like three jobs or whatever. And it's. He wasn't poor though. Yeah. <laughs> it was Hamilton's like he was working because it's so much money to be in Formula 1. Like to and even in like the feeder series and stuff. Yeah. And you need to have sponsors and all of this. So it does make sense that so many of the people on the grid are daddy's money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that it is worth looking into I guess, obviously, since I don't have like this much money, I can't be like, well, they're spending all this money. Like maybe it just means nothing to them. Like they're like just writing a check for their like kid to do something. Um, But I don't know. I just think that it's very interesting. And I wish that they would have looked more into that.
0: One of the things I did want to mention, just the culture in Formula One, in terms of getting a seat is so much different than pretty much every other sport where you go to free agency, there's like elite, there's periods of time where okay, you can't talk to people about a new contract during this window. Formula One is just a constant, okay, three weeks into the season, so who's driving for what team next year, and what are the requirements going to be to get that guy? Like, I know there was that rumor floating around that if Lewis was going to sign with Mercedes, he wanted veto power on his teammate, which I don't think was true, but that was a very funny idea someone came up with. It's just so much different than every other sport in terms of how difficult it is to get in. And even when you think you're safe, you're not really safe. And – You saw what Red Bull did to Alex at the end of the season. They threw him into an unfortunate situation two years ago in the middle of the season where he had to learn on the fly. He got one season, not a full season either. He only got 17 races last year, and that was it. In a bad car. Yeah, in a a car car that was bad. (laughs) In a bad car. And they they said, all right, that's it for us. We're going to go in a different direction this season. That was one of the things I was surprised there were so much of in the season was the stuff with Seb about how he was just on the way out and Ferrari kind of not throwing him aside, but mostly focusing on Charles, who's, you know, a decent driver. I think
1: that the discarding of Seb was very interesting Yeah. in general. Seb went to Ferrari because that was like a childhood dream of his or whatever. And obviously he was a huge hot commodity and it was just kind of a situation of there not being enough seats yeah. at all because so many people are tied up in very weird, bizarre contracts. Yeah, I think that the Ferrari decision is very strange. Yeah. Especially since they had such success with their illegal engine and everything (laughs) the year before. Them moving towards youth isn't really a thing that Ferrari tends to do. They're not known for having a lot of young drivers. So I'm very i guess intrigued on that
0: the culture of the sport is so weird because they made that decision in the middle of the season and you still got to run like another seven eight races with the guy who knows he's a lame duck driver he doesn't care at that point he's got to worry about himself and getting a seat for the following year it's just so much different than any other sport
1: yeah they talked about uh daniel going to mclaren yes and cyril being petty and french about it um (laughs) But yeah, the thing is that you have to, you just have to hang out there. Obviously, you, you do want to have success just regardless, but you're not going to really help that much with like car development and stuff and like actual stuff beyond the races. Cause next year you're not going to be there. And next year you're going to be in a completely different car and all of this.
0: One of the things I did want to touch on a little bit away from the show is just in terms of the races of last season, what are the lasting memories you have?
1: I definitely I think that Max's Silverstone 2 win
0: yeah.
1: is very good. Uh Magello.
0: Magello, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Magello. Uh, that race was just
0: chaos. Crazy. It was chaos. Yeah.
1: Bahrain, obviously, because of Roman yeah. and that being like very scary in general. I think that probably those, I guess in general. And then obviously Secure was like a lot to handle because of all of the George stuff.
0: That was such and- a fun morning. That was such an exciting race. It was really good. That was such a good race.
1: Yeah, some of the races
0: were... Lewis Sunday drives.
1: Yeah, exactly. Something that I think is very funny is that Lewis, like... Okay, so Alex, when he gets hit in Austria, he says, this guy is such a sore loser. I'm not saying he is wrong. Lewis throws a fit whenever he has to actually race. He it's so mad he like shows up on saturday and is like i'm gonna qualify and then that is all and then like if he has to race on sunday he is mad he's like this sucks i don't want to do it
0: they made him yeah they gave him the penalty at monza at, for pitting uh when pit lane was closed and we had the maury camera which is one of the great moments oh, yeah. of sunday morning twitter it was like so nine... th-
1: i actually really miss. i'm so sad they didn't include that that him was just dumb. go running to the stewards yeah. on his little scooter so funny
0: it's true though they threw him in the back and they actually made him drive and that was almost more exciting than the front of the pack race where him trying to come from the back to get back into the top 10 to get. They points. keep
1: trying to be like, can we have reverse grids? And Mercedes goes, no,
0: no. <laughs> you, you got you to say it like total. No, uh,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> he's a very, that's one of the things that's kind of weird. It That's it's one of the few sports where the principals who I guess you would call like in a, a manager or a coach in other sports, they have such a presence in the day to day and just, the culture itself where like, yeah, you see your team's hockey coach after every game, but you don't know a lot about them. They're not characters in the way that Gunther is, in the way that Benotto was, in the way that Cyril was, that you really kind of get an idea of, into how these teams operate based on their leadership. It really does reflect down. Christian is constantly thinking, how do we get better? But he's also self-sabotaging because he's not actually thinking these plans out long-term.
1: He's self-sabotaging and also anytime he sees somebody even remotely do something outside the rules, he
0: calls Immedi- a principal. Immediately. He's,
1: he's like, FIA, excuse me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Exactly>. They're cheating. <laughs> it's, it's so Again, it's another thing that's really different in the culture, and it's what makes it really entertaining TV. If you threw Toto behind the bench of a hockey team, I don't know if they would be good, but at the very least, his press conferences would be a little bit more consoling. You wouldn't feel as hopeless as you do when Travis Green does one of his.
1: If you were to place any of them, I think Tortorella is the closest hockey coach we have to an F1 principal. Talking out of his ass all the time, incredibly petty and weird all of that
0: it's a really interesting job you're doing technical things you're doing the business side of things you're managing the race on race day it's a really interesting job okay I turned my note sheet over here because there's more stuff on the back I didn't want to I tried to not get the crinkling of the paper on there the last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of just reflecting on the last season you feel weird at all about the way they kind of I don't want to say portrayed, but the way they showed Grosjean's accident and the kind of overcoming the craziness of it, constantly making him explain what happened, reliving the trauma of that moment over and over again. Anything about that strike you as a little bit uncomfortable?
1: I do think that they really did not deal with it sensitively. But I do think that with Roman, I assume if he like was not was unable to talk about it, he like wouldn't. Because he definitely has explained in-depth what happened and like how he felt or whatever uh, in other interviews so I do think that it wasn't like dealt with in like kind of a respectable way but I think that it isn't as much of a offense to Grosjean as it is like insensitive almost to viewers yeah and something that I think that we tend to forget is how Dangerous Formula One is. It's so absurdly dangerous, and in the past two years, we've had one death because Antoine Hubert, yeah, um, and then obviously we almost saw Grosjean die. This is like considerably safer than it has ever been before, and I think that it is very shocking to have to deal with the risk. Is like in the back of your mind of how it is so dangerous to be in a car going this fast but I guess you kind of don't think about it until something really really horrible happens even if they get in like a bad crash in general typically they do walk away from it and like even like the amount of g-forces that are going through them in a routine crash into the wall has to really harm them (laughs) yeah no I'm sure that like plenty of ribs get broken and that I think it is important to show that it is a very dangerous sport and that you need to like keep that in mind and all of the like regulations and stuff that have come into action have been because of bad situations but I'm very happy that Grosjean obviously survived but that is absurd it's like having to see that and also they just kept replaying it all the time
0: yeah that that kind of was one of the things that rubbed me the wrong way that morning because I was sitting in bed it was early on a Sunday I was kind of still waking up but I had the race on I looked up I looked back down at my phone and then I looked back up and I saw him hit the wall and then I saw the fireball and I really thought I thought he was dead I really thought that was it. I really just saw someone die on TV. And that was less than eight months after I thought Ryan Newman died in the Daytona 500. It's one of those things that's in racing that it's always in the back of your head. And that was one of the things that kind of struck me as weird about the first season of the show before they kind of dealt with the trauma part of the accidents where they talked about jules bianchi dying with um with charles was there's the sound bite in the back of my head that always whenever i'm thinking about it, it's christian saying these guys have fighter pilot mentalities and i'm thinking they shouldn't have to think i might die today doing this that's really got to be a lot to yeah i don't with. think
1: that they actually do think that they will that's why yeah. also i thought that the replaying during the red flag after the roman thing was especially insensitive because they were going to continue that race. Yeah, And I think that a lot of times they aren't cognizant of their own morality. Yeah. Mortality. <laughs> <they're common. laughs> um, and they definitely aren't thinking about how, because they feel like they are in such levels of control. Yeah. And I know with Korea, who was in the uh, Hubert uh, crash, Um, He was like one of the, he basically broke both of his legs. He was in a coma. Um, I know that he wants to, I think that he actually is going to be in F3 maybe next year.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He's done plenty of like rehabilitation, but I can't imagine being his parents or his loved ones. You are the one who was in control, but I like almost saw you die and you like are like, oh, well, I really want to do this. This is what I love doing, but it's so dangerous. And I think that more than anything, I think that it's very difficult to probably be somebody who is close to, Yeah. because they, they feel as if they are in control. They definitely don't think of, every time they get in the car, they don't think of, oh, if I like hit something the wrong way or if something goes poorly, I could be gone.
0: That was one of the things that really stuck with me in the first season was when they were talking to Daniel Ricardo's parents about it, where his mom was. We always came because that's a big thing in Australia. The, that's the first race of the season. We always came when Daniel was a kid. I never thought my kid would be one of those kids, and every week I have to live with the possibility my kid could die doing their job. It really is just absurd that that's just. This is an ingrained thing in the sport that. Any given week, one thing goes wrong and someone dies. I'm at a loss for words of trying to explain that emotion of, uh, I really thought I saw Grosjean die on that Sunday morning at like 9.15 in the morning. Like I spent the that five minutes where no one said anything and they just kept showing it over and over again, wondering if he's okay. And I just can't even... Begin to imagine what that must feel like seeing that as that's your parent, that's your significant other. Like they talked to what his kids said, what in Mm -hmm. the last episode of the season of the third season, where oh, where Grosjean was like, I I heard my kid saying, okay, Dad, I need to get out of here, sitting in a ball of fire. When I don't understand how the sport grapples with this on a weekly basis. I don't want to say you know it's too dangerous, we it shouldn't be done, but in the back of your head, that's got to be a little bit there a little bit there is do you really have to do this
1: exactly and during uh that race at Bahrain I know that Charles Leclerc was like incredibly obviously affected by that and um like, when he saw it, like, in his ruby mirror, he was, like, is he okay? Like, is he okay? And then, like, they, like, wouldn't tell him because they didn't know yet because he hadn't, like, fully escaped from the fire and everything. Um, but he's lost two of yeah. his, like, close friends, to and, like, people who are, like, related to him, two accidents. And I don't understand how...
0: He can still yeah, do it. I,
1: how you How you're still doing that. I think that the level of like bravery, but I don't think that it's even bravery at that point. It's like kind of intentional blindness.
0: It's one of those things the sport has to grapple with. I mean, as long as people are willing to do it, they're going to be, there's going to be people Mm -hmm. willing to want to do that. There's only 20 of those seats. And those people know if I want to keep the seat, I need to be able to drive aggressively. I need to be able to defend aggressively. I mean, I still think how crazy it was that the Halo was a relatively new thing that I had seen The Halo with, there's multiple
1: Alice. situations this year yeah that the Halo saved somebody's life like yeah. in uh Magello Carlos Sainz would have been gone yeah. had it not been for the Halo there's definitely multiple other times like times that like the car had flipped and the Halo stopped it it is just crazy that they also the Halo when it was introduced was very much like nobody wanted it they were like yeah. this is horrible all of the, like principles are like, like I'm pretty sure Total Wolf said that he would cut it off if he could. Yeah. And it has saved so many lives already. And I can't believe that's
0: new. It's an absurd sport, is the best way to describe it. So we've kind of we gotten up on our soapbox a little bit. We're gonna dial it back down, a little bit less moralistic, a little bit less philosophical. Just gonna talk a little bit about the season that's upcoming. So the first question I'm gonna ask you is. Do you think anyone is going to be even close to Mercedes this year?
1: Here's my prediction. Okay, this is a wild card prediction. So, I, I don't know if this is, comes true. I think that Max will win the Drivers' Championship. But I still think that Mercedes will win Constructors.
0: Okay. Okay, that's that would make things entertaining. It would that make would make things
1: be- entertaining. But the thing is that I don't think that... Mercedes did not have a good showing at uh, testing that happened yeah. recently, but I definitely don't think that that would discount them. Mm-hmm. Max is incredible. He's an incredible driver. Um, he's so technically skilled, and the Red Bull car is like the best that's ever been underneath him. Um, so I do think that there's a possibility there for Max to really succeed and at least even, I guess, win a few more races. I think it won like three. Three to five, if I'm being disappointed. That's like that's my low end. I'm saying that if he doesn't win the drivers championship, he'll win like at least five races. But I think that it'll be more competitive with Max mm-hmm. than it has been previously. Did you see this? Um I don't know if I only saw this like earlier today. The other mid uh, midfield teams are claiming. That McLaren didn't go full out at testing because they didn't want to show their hand of how fast their car actually was.
0: I don't understand why you would do that. There's no benefit to that. There is no
1: benefit. So I don't know why they think that would happen. But
0: this isn't a movie like they aren't the bad guy hiding how good (laughs) they are so that they can beat you at the actual race. They they need to know how fast their car can go in testing. That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Because that was one of the things that really kind of, I don't want to say frustrated with me during the season last year, because I did watch every race, but it kind of felt, it was just a matter of, all right, is Val or Lewis going to win pole? And is Val going to keep it close enough to Lewis that there's actually going to be a race at the end in 13 of the 17 races last year, 12 of the 17 races. I just want it to be a little bit more competitive. I don't need everyone- I
1: definitely wish that when they show it, they would just ignore lewis yeah <laughs> i think that they need to show the actual the driving of the midfield teams and then actually racing and i know that they keep adding and changing regulations to try to make it so it's closer together that's still like that narrative still exists yeah. in regular races and just ignore him just ignore him just come back in 60 laps later and be like hey guys lewis won just so you know
0: yeah he's Um, gonna go up to the podium they're gonna have the champagne fight and he's gonna talk for a minute or two he's going to take his fire suit off and he's gonna give his message of the week he wants everyone to think about and all right that was nice lewis we appreciate your activism we're grateful you're using your voice but the race we this is entertainment too you know We, we we love you lewis like genuinely seeing him find his voice as an activist and start speaking things into the ether is good. That's good for the sport. It needs that. But we would like competitive races.
1: Please. I genuinely really think that, like, I think he's so talented. I think he's definitely the greatest yeah. of all time. And I, like, think he's a great person in all of this. I would like for him to retire.
0: Go make music. <laughs> Go have fun. You, yeah, you, he has so will... many
1: other hobbies. When do you think he will retire? Do you think he'll retire after eight or nine
0: I don't think it matters to him at this point I think I think someone needs to beat him honestly I think he'll keep going until
1: he, somebody it, can beat him really yeah. I think that he'll retire while he's still I think he'll go out on top I don't think he wants to have an Alonzo
0: <laughs> what that doesn't mean anything. he's just going to keep retiring and unretiring he's the Brett Favre of Formula <laughs> One he can't help himself he gets bored doing other things but certainly, circling... he gets
1: bored really, really trying to do well in the Indy 500 and then yes. not doing
0: well. Uh, that's another thing, it's so weird how he's just floated back and forth. So, the other things in this upcoming season, I'm curious to see. I'm very curious to see if Ferrari's actually going to be a team this year, if they're going to be like just Italian Haas again. I'm very curious to see what happens.
1: Fun fact. Haas has already pretty much stopped developing their car for this year.
0: I did see that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they just gave up. They were like, this year's not going to go well. Just start working on the next one. Yeah. Um, I definitely have like a list of people that I uh, do not think deserve their spots on the F1 grid. Um, Mazepan being one of them. Yeah. It's very much a daddy's money situation, uh, which I mean, Haas really. Really needs, needs money, so yeah. I can't even really blame them because his dad who's like a Russian oligarch and has like some company that does he also
0: yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know what they're doing, but <laughs> he has a lot of money and Haas needs he, money
0: yeah.
1: um so he's both not very talented and also very aggressive in a bad way of a driver like he has a bad temper and he's also kind of a despicable human being in general
0: yeah so
1: I don't think he deserves a seat I think that Kimmy and Alonzo need to retire Mm -hmm. um I actually very I spent like a lot of time looking up this like information to actually form his opinion because I was like I don't like Acon I think that he's bad at driving and I was like is this true? So then I did watch, oh, I've watched a lot of him like driving in like lower level series and I genuinely think he's bad at driving. So he actually is and I don't think he deserves a seat. Who else? Oh, Lance.
0: Well, yeah. But
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, that's like five people. That's like a quarter of the field. Yeah. I say this as if I like cannot barely drive a manual car without like stalling it. I'm like, this man can't drive. And then I'm like literally stalling at a stop sign
0: there's degrees to this you're not being paid to drive if you were being paid to drive i think you would drive better
1: exactly i would get better and know where the like right buttons were on my car unlike lance
0: so in terms of figures for this upcoming season if i'm trying to sell one of my friends to watch a race who should i tell them is a good character who is entertaining a decent driver i'm trying to make the easy sell who are like the Colorado avalanche of Formula One? The easy um, to digest?
1: Obviously, right now, an easy if you don't... Okay, obviously, picking Lewis is a great option, and that's the easy entry. Mm-hmm. But currently, if you're diving in at all, McLaren and their dando pair, they're so. They're both very charismatic. I also do actually think they are not going to get along. I do not believe they are going to get along. Um, I think Why? that... I, I don't think that it's going to like actually work out that well on track but they are very pleasant and nice people um but McLaren very good Lando's very fun everyone who's watched Drive to Survive like season one starts out as a Dan fan because he's so charismatic and nice Dan like you Nick watch fan. it and you're like Dan <laughs> um but also I am pivoting to uh George Russell Oh yeah um that's that's where I'm going I love that boy. I think he's great. He's a very, he's the new uh, head of the um, union. Did you know Mm. this?
0: I did not. Um,
1: Yes. He took over a a Roman's spot. And that's kind of more of a painful situation because McLaren is going to be like relatively good. And like, you're going to actually maybe see them fighting for podiums. George, you're maybe going to see him fighting to get out of Q2. But that's fun. Yeah, You really get to support him. And his growth is going to be great. I love George. I think
0: George is great. That's one of the things I've kind of gone through ebbs and flows of enjoying different drivers at different points in the season. I think everybody on the planet was a George Russell fan that one Sunday where it kind of looked like it was going to happen. And then he had the worst. Those were going to be his first
1: points too. They were his first points in Formula One.
0: So painful. Definitely, definitely still on the Danrick train. He's just He's weird, but in a good way. He's not like a dangerous weird, but I could definitely tell he'd be the type to make every single hangout about himself where he'd constantly be doing something to get everyone's attention, where he'd probably be annoying after a while, but in spurts, he's probably hysterical. Yeah. Lando, of course, his live streams are very entertaining. George is very funny when he's on stream as well. I can't believe I've watched professional athletes play as much Twitch as I have in the last year. I, I know you, even dealt, you. I know Maya. I know a few people who've subjugated themselves to watching things on Twitch out of boredom because these guys are entertaining. It's very weird that I had no idea any of these people existed. But now I'm v- genuinely curious what they're doing in their free time between races.
1: Exactly. Um, often, also, I think that in general, I mean, this is getting really deep into things because you are now moving into a feeder. I think that I'm very excited that the W series is going to be a support race and also F2 on various weekends because both of those are spec series. You need to explain what
0: these things mean because not everybody is as car brand as you are Mallory. So
1: Formula 2 is leading up into Formula 1 like a lot of uh, people are in that and um, my new Russian son uh, Robert Schwartzman is I love him he's great Um, so I'm going to be waking up even earlier to watch Formula 2. And then the W Series is a women's racing series, which is very great as well. Um, It's not that there there aren't any women in Formula 2 right now. There are some women in Formula 3 and Formula 4, but W Series is specifically designated for that. And a spec series means that they all have the same car, so it's not like a situation, Lewis is off on his incredible car and like Mick is going to be literally doing those like you know those like kids playmobile things where you have to you move your feet that's what nick is going to be using
0: that's a good idea for a meme i'm going to write that down um
1: yeah so i think that those will be really interesting to watch as well now that i have fallen very deeply into the pit and well of cars
0: it's crazy it's genuinely crazy i mean it's not like the canucks are giving you much to work with they really
1: are not giving me anything to write home about at all
0: they had a nice week and a half they had a they nice, had a nice week. week
1: and a half as in they won a few games all of them which went to overtime because they can't win a game in regulation
0: <laughs> and that's why mal is very much car brained now
1: <laughs> i'm very car brained because of this they're forcing me to do it it's not great um, which also my sleep schedule is going to get even worse than usual because so i'm going to be staying up late to watch the canucks and getting up early And when I say early, not even like getting up at an early time, just getting up in the middle of the night to watch Formula
0: 2. Yeah, that's lunacy. Like, I I felt stupid getting up to watch a race at 5 a.m., but like, I went back to bed when it was over and it was fine. I'm not getting up that early for Formula 2. I'm sorry. I
1: definitely have, I definitely didn't get up and watch. It was just because I couldn't sleep. And like, so there was like some race that was going to happen earlier. And I was like, ooh, it's like 4 a.m. I'm going to watch this race that's happening right now.
0: Now, please tell the people a little bit about the broadcast because we need more good energy okay. in the world.
1: Okay. Um. So, I am a member of a hockey podcast. Uh, we're female hosted, and we are mostly Canucks based, but not really because we don't actually like talking about them because they are so bad. Um, we're called the Broadcast. We record every week. We have our episodes every Friday. We talk about hockey, hockey culture, and then social issues basically anything we would just talk about with our friends and you're our friend so we want you to come listen to us um yeah i mean it's just a very fun time we've had some great guests on yeah uh our peak has so far been we got roman yossi on he's a very nice man he made fun of me for
0: liking arsenal that's tough yeah gunnersaurus he's back at least gunnersaurus is
1: back my boy i love gunnersaurus he is the mascot for arsenal he is a giant dinosaur and his name is gunnersaurus and i think he's very
0: funny i highly recommend the broadcast it's very light it is it's good energy is how i'll describe it there are no stats there are just vibes there are no stats i am still a stats nerd i will be back tomorrow we are going to be talking baseball because yeah baseball season starts next week I hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and yeah, check out Drive to Survive season three on Netflix. I feel guilty giving Netflix free pub, but it is a very good show, and you might want to have an understanding of what Mal and I just talked about. I will see you guys tomorrow.